Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. I was going to start with a joke. I feel like I shouldn't now. (laughs) Um, Hello, everybody. Welcome to those who are joining us online. Welcome to those who are joining us in the prisons at Barry St. Edmunds. It's so great to have you with us here today. Uh, In Colchester, they've got their baptism service, so they'll be doing that, and they can catch up in the week. But we are so excited to be starting our Advent series with you today, as Katie said. So um, what you may know about me, if we've had any kinds of conversations at all historically, is that I grew up in the Southern Hemisphere in South Africa. And I have to tell you, at this time of year, it's just weird. Because we are very westernized, and so that means that Christmas is in winter, which it isn't in South Africa, it's in the middle of summer. That the um, summer holidays are in December and not in July, which is very confusing, or August. And they're also shorter in South Africa, which I have a fundamental issue with. Um, but I don't have time to get into that today. Um, and then there's all the Christmas songs that don't make any sense, right? Let it snow? No, it's 33 degrees. Uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, literally forever. Um, and no matter how many times I sung these songs, no matter how many times my mother enforced a full, proper English Christmas meal to on us at a 30-degree heat day, Christmas was still not what we would have thought it should be. And I was very excited when I moved to the UK because finally Christmas was at the right time of year. And as a result, I decided that I was gonna implement as many Christmas traditions as possible, as soon as possible. So I thought I'd give you a couple of them that I do. Feel free to take notes or to be inspired. um, And also don't judge, hey? Okay. (laughs) Um, So the first one is, I am a Christmas tree on the 1st of December girl. Whatever, no, 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 give me, what did I just say? (laughs) Don't judge, booze from the front, but it's fine. (laughs) The reason being, because I am absolutely obsessed with autumn, I like to give my autumn decorations as much time as possible to shine. But December 1st comes, regardless of what day it is in the week or how much work I have to do, or for the last five years, having an assignment due, probably that day, um, I have prioritized putting up the tree, watching You've Got Mail, because it is a Christmas movie and I'm not gonna discuss it, um, and drinking either mulled wine or hot chocolate, depending on how the week has gone. So that's my first one, okay? My second tradition, um, which we've started about eight years ago now, so we're on year number eight, is watching It's a Wonderful Life on the Monday after the Oh What Wonder Christmas concerts, which you should totally book in at christmas.c3.uk. It's gonna be great. And so the Monday after, wherever that falls, unless it's actually Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, my friends gather at my house, we watch It's a Wonderful Life and we eat snacks and it's lovely. And the reason we do that is because again, all Christmas movies from America told me as I grew up that this was the best Christmas movie. And I don't want to talk about it, (laughs) okay? And I don't judge you for thinking Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie, so let's not, let's just continue in this space of love. But as far as I'm concerned, It's a Wonderful Life, best Christmas movie ever. Tradition number three that started about four years ago is uh, before I go to my family on Christmas Eve, I spend a few days with my goddaughters and their epic parents. And I do this because in lockdown, I couldn't go to my family because apparently county borders were an issue. And so they very kindly took me in. And because I'm a traditions person, they're now stuck with me. Um, And so we do a few traditional things in the last couple of days before Christmas. 
And then my final one of the big four, there are others, is the Christmas stocking. It's non-negotiable for the rest of my life that I will have a stocking filled with little presents at the base of my bed every Christmas day. And I'm really grateful my mother knows that now, and I'm sure she will pass that on to whoever is relevant in my future. But it is a non-negotiable, and I strongly encourage everybody to participate. So those are my four. But one thing that was not particularly prevalent for us in South Africa, also because we were in a non-denominational church and we didn't do liturgy particularly often, was the concept of Advent. Outside of the Advent calendars, which are also really important, I'm in a Lego phase at the moment with my Advent calendar. Best thing to do in the morning, you open it up, you build it. Sometimes your friends condescendingly tell you what it is before you've built it um, because you didn't know what it was and it doesn't really come with instructions. But anyway, that is probably the extent of my like, Advent journey up until I moved here. So you can imagine my consternation when several years ago when I lived with a group of girls um, and it was the 1st of December and I decorated, um, obviously, and one of my housemates came into the room and she was like, what is this? Why is it joyful and cheery in here? We need to be miserable for at least two more weeks, it's Advent. And I was like, are you hangry? Are you okay? What's happened? And I think it was a little bit of post-work decompression time, but I subsequently did some research on what Advent was actually all about. And it turns out that the word Advent comes from the Latin term Adventus, which means coming. And so as I'm sure all of you know, because you're all way smarter than I am, the Advent time is a season of waiting. And the whole premise of it is we take note of this angst that the people of God had for hundreds of years while they were waiting for the coming Messiah. And so rather than us just kind of diving into this joyful, overexcited, maybe potentially materialistic Christmas time, we as the people of God take a moment to reflect. Not only on the blessing that we know of because it's already past the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus, but because there is more to come. And so we need to have the sense of expectation and expectancy. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's a theologian, says that the celebration of Advent is possible only for those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. So maybe my housemate's somewhat gloomy perspective wasn't all that wrong. Maybe it is important for us to take a moment to reflect, to be real with the season that we're in. But the question, that we're going to explore today is how do we balance this idea of faith in the season of waiting? What does it look like for us as believers who know Jesus and know what was happening on Christmas to be faithful when we are also lacking something in our lives? And that's what we're gonna explore today. So we're gonna start this Advent series at the beginning of the story of Jesus where Mary is told by Gabriel that she is gonna give birth. And we find this story in Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 28, uh, 38, and it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was worried about this greeting and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a child and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? But the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the one to be born, the holy one to be born, will be called the Son of God. Even now, Elizabeth, your relative, will have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word of God's will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Let your word be. And then the angel left her. What an incredible moment. What an incredible response. Immediately a moment of faith. Immediately a trust that God is good and will do all of the things. She must have been so excited and I'm sure she wasn't stressed at all. I'm sure that she was like, great, I had no plans. Whatever you want, God, no problem. There's nothing like being an unwed teenager in the Middle East while I am expected to be betrothed and now I have the child that doesn't belong to him, this is gonna be fun. It's unlikely that that was actually how she was feeling. But somehow, when we talk about Mary, we say that she was faithful. And so now I want us to unpack what does it actually mean to have faith. If we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse one to three, it says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Clear? Got it? I didn't, I had to do more research. Because I feel like I knew what faith was because I feel like I have faith, but then when you try to explain faith, you sort of are like, well faith, Faith is faith, you know? <laughs> but uh, faith really, what this scripture is saying, is, is more of a state of mind. It's an internal posture, that's where it begins. A decision to believe something that you can't quite yet see, but you're basing your confidence on that thing, on something else. So for those of us who believe in Jesus, our faith rests in the promises of who God is and what he has said. But faith is more than just that internal posture. It is then also an experience of the choices that we have then made. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project says that when you live and act in faith, you get a taste of what is to come. Our faith, I'm going to do a, um, an activity now, an illustration, and I know I'm dyspraxic, so my friends who are currently watching, it's fine, okay? I'm going to go up and down the stairs. It's worth it, I think. <laughs> so our faith is like, see, it's fine, I did it. Our faith is like a staircase, okay? So when you take a step up, you get closer to the goal, which is great, and then you go, okay, well I did that and that worked, which means it's most likely that this next step is also going to work because the integrity of the next step that I haven't gone up to yet is based on the one that I've just come from. So because I've taken this step, I can then take that step. And this step is 
based off the strength of the previous one, and so on, and so on, and so on. And then you get to the top, without tripping, sometimes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> This is an illustration that was given to me by a dear friend, and it was so profound. She said it, she was like, well, you could talk about it like this, and I was like, or I could base my, like, the rest of my life on this principle. Because how helpful is it to think about the fact that faith is not blind? In fact, the Bible doesn't ask for blind faith at all. The Bible is a consistent space for evidence of people who are faithful and God who is faithful. Mary wasn't blind. Mary didn't go, okay, sweet, let's go. Mary asked questions, how can this be? I am a virgin. And Gabriel didn't say, just do what you're told. Gabriel said, this is how it's gonna happen, and if you're still unsure, look at this other thing that's happening as evidence of what God can do. When we are talking about faith, we are able to look back at our past to see the fulfillment of God's promises so that we can live in the present in peace with a hope for the future. There's a step at each place. But sometimes we can't see our own promises in our own past, sometimes that's not enough. And so then we are encouraged to look at the promises that have been fulfilled in other people's lives. So for Mary, Gabriel said, look at Elizabeth, a woman who is barren, who was told she could not conceive, she has. In fact, she's in her sixth month. She is well on her way in her pregnancy. The miracle is already taking place. If God can do that, God can do this. And so Mary's faith is based on what she sees God doing in the life of her cousin. And it's based on what she has seen God do in the lives of the ancients. Because we've seen this pregnancy thing before, several times, in, the, in Genesis, like at least three times, women who shouldn't have been able to have children, but God said, you can and you will. So in this specific instance, for Mary, she can have faith that God is gonna do it, albeit differently this time. But we can have faith in the waiting as she did because there is evidence to show that God moves. And Gabriel has said, no word of God will ever fail. So she's set up to have faith, but does that mean that she is not frustrated? Does that mean that she is like, woohoo, let's go? No, because in addition to the faith, she also has to still be on the step, be willing to take the next one. She has to trust that God is going to provide kindness and compassion through Joseph, who by all rational means should reject her because they're betrothed. It's already set in stone, she had a plan. She was gonna get married, he was from a good line. She was sorted and now, one of the worst things that could happen to a woman culturally at the time to be pregnant out of wedlock had happened. 
and she was gonna have to figure her whole life accordingly. And then let's even say hypothetically that Joseph was okay with that. She'd then have to deal with the next however many decades of knowing that her son is the son of God. And what's the likelihood of someone believing that? Do you ever find if you're a parent that you're utterly convinced your child is the best one? <laughs> then you come across another parent who thinks the same of theirs and you know the truth. <laughs> I can say that now because I don't have to worry about that yet, but I'm, I, this must have been, you know, oh yeah, no, this is my son Jesus. Yeah, he's totally Joseph's. Mm -hmm. No, actually, he's God's. And they're like, yeah, we're all children of God. And you're like, yeah, it's different. <laughs> that can't have been an easy mantle for her to carry. And again, we're fortunate to be able to read through scripture and see what a blessing she was to Jesus's friends and how she became a mother to so many. But she had to be really willing to plow through the frustration of that season and to be faithful in spite of it. And I just, I just wonder, how do you handle frustration when you are in the waiting? Where do you go? It is not easy to look back at the promises of the past when we're in the middle of it. In fact, sometimes it's harder to look back and to get out of the, the muddle and the muck that you're in because you're so focused on the survival mode time. And it is not an easy season for anybody at the moment. The, the, the world is at war in a lot of ways. We have a, a financial crisis in our own country. It's Christmas time, which means deadlines are coming and family is complicated and kids and friends want to exchange gifts and we can't always do that. And there's a lot going on. And we could very easily get caught up in the frustration of this season, this literal season, but I also think that it's easy for us to get caught up in the frustration of whatever season of waiting we might be in. But this is what's interesting, is God doesn't promise us an easy time here on earth. In fact, if we go to John 16, verse 33, Jesus says himself, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. Not even you may. We just will, it's a broken world. And trouble looks different to all of us, but we have an eternal mindset, which means that our faith is not just for this moment that we're in, that God is gonna resolve this particular issue in a particular way. We understand that our peace is bigger than our current lives, it is our eternity. That because we have a relationship with Jesus, we are with God forever. And this life is so short in comparison to that. And that is a future step that we can look towards in these moments of frustration. But I wanna give you permission, I wanna give you a moment, I want you to make the most of Advent because sometimes we just need to acknowledge that it's hard. And Mary, the story goes on, her way of dealing with that is actually to go away, 
She goes to Elizabeth. She doesn't stay in the thick of being a social pariah in her village while the gossip goes crazy because Mary's become pregnant and will Joseph marry her and what's gonna happen? She retreats to a safe space to deal with a hard season. It does not make her any less faithful to do so because frustration is real in faith and frustration is real in the waiting. But the thing we are ultimately waiting for, which is this eternity, is coming no matter how hard this season is. And so on one hand, it's almost beautiful to acknowledge the challenge of the season because you realize that what that is compared to eternity is nothing. And that God is faithful even in the middle of it. And if you can't find that within your own story, if you can't look down your own staircase to see that, do what Mary did and look around. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day and and she was telling me about how she'd recently returned to um, a company she's now working at and she spent two years working somewhere else. She'd got a job that she felt was gonna be a really good opportunity, but very quickly it became the most challenging time in her career. And she felt while she was in the midst of it that actually she'd made a wrong choice, that maybe she hadn't been obedient to what God had been telling her to do. And she wasn't sure really how it was all gonna work itself out. But sitting on this side of it, where she's back at the company that she was at previously, in a position where she is higher up that she's qualified for because of this two year gap that she took, that she probably wouldn't have been able to achieve had she stayed, she's been able to recognize that even if that was a choice that she shouldn't have made, God is faithful. And she stewarded what she had while she had it, and she sought God's next step, and now she sits in a space where she's a bit overwhelmed by how God has blessed her. And when I hear that story, I can take the principles of that and apply it to the things in my life where I might be wondering the same. Have I made a choice that's not great? Or am I waiting for something that actually God is like, I I didn't want you to come this way. But even if that's true, God is still good. And God still uses things to glorify him. And even when it feels like it may never change, we can still be faithful. And true faith, frustratingly, is trusting that God will move, but being all right with whatever that movement is. And realizing that it might not be the blueprint that you laid out, but you know that God is good. And you know that God's promises never fail, which means that he has got your back. And there is a next step for you to take. We're all waiting for something. It could be something practical. It could be a job. It could be your financial situation to improve so that you can pay your new mortgage or school fees or as immediately as Christmas, but as further down the line as a house. It could be relational. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. You could be waiting for something that is so deep and personal that it is only known to you and God. Things that other people have no idea are going on in your life. Some of the things that I'm waiting for have felt so far out of reach, I don't know what three steps behind me, uh, ahead of me looks like, let alone the top one. But as we conclude, I want us to come back to the story of Mary because when she says, 
how will this be? I'm a virgin. She is given the practical ways in which it's going to happen, but before that, she is given a promise of who Jesus is going to be. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and we be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary knows the why behind the waiting. Mary knows that it is worth the frustration and the faith. Mary is able to look back at the promises from the past, to have peace in the present and a hope for the future. And that hope comes from this reality that what she is doing is fulfilling the waiting of her people for centuries. Karl Barth, another theologian says, when it comes to faith, if anywhere at all, then it is precisely in the light of the coming of Christ that faith has become waiting faith, advent faith, the expectation of future revelation. But faith knows for whom and what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold to the fulfilled promise. Mary was holding on to the fulfilled promise and she powered through one of the most culturally challenging things a woman could go through in order to participate in God's kingdom. She was faithful. I'm gonna ask you all to stand with me as we conclude today. And I want us to take a moment to think about the seasons of waiting that we might be in. And we're gonna, I wanna make sure that you know that online there is a team waiting to pray for you and in any of our locations, there will be a prayer team at the front. And for our prisons, we will have a chance to pray at the end of this service because you are not alone in your waiting. And I love that Mary wasn't alone in her waiting. Mary had Elizabeth going on the journey with her. Mary had Joseph, who it was revealed to in a dream that this was the Son of God. She was surrounded by people who could support her in her waiting. And so are you. And so I'm gonna ask us all to close our eyes. And before we go back into another song, if you're comfortable, if you have something you're waiting for, put your hands out in front of you, palms up. And we're gonna pray together for our seasons of waiting. Father God, I thank You that You love us so much that You sent Your Son to die on the cross for us. Father God, I thank You that You know the things that we are waiting for. Father, I pray You give us the boldness to be faithful in this season. That You will help us to look back and see the promises of the past to give us peace in the present and a hope for the future. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. This message has spoken to you today in some way. We would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, 
Why not consider giving by going to thec3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.